to the Power Hour on Verb Moto. All right, let's get this thing started. <clears throat> Welcome to a Verb Moto podcast. This is the Power Hour. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and if you haven't already entered the Verb Edit Contest, even if you are not a video editor, I highly recommend it because, first of all, you're going to get access to some of the most cool unseen video from Star Racing Yamaha that is currently available on the web. And it's all available on our website. You just have to go to verbmoto.com forward slash verb edit contest. And what you're going to do is you're going to download all that content. You're going to sift through it, get the creative juices flowing, and make something special happen. Submit it to us based on the guidelines that are on the website. Literally everything is there. You're not going to find any of the information from me because I haven't memorized it. But if you guys go there, heck, you might win some cool prizes. And if we really, really like your work, might end up turning into a low-paying job here at Verb Moto. Like I said, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. And with me, the big boss with the hot sauce over at Racer TV, he breaks everything down on the, the GNCC side of things. You'll hear his voice when you're watching uh, Loretta Lynn's again later this year. It's the one, the only, Zach Heron. Zach, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. A little under the weather. It was a, a chilly one for round one of the GNCC series. So uh, if you hear me sniffing and coughing, give me a little break here, folks. But uh, no, it was great, man. What a, what a season we had last year and what a way to kick off the season this year. Uh, so big bucks in the rear view. We got a, I got a couple more rounds coming up, but I tell you what I'm really excited about is world mini. We've been talking about it since we got this show kicked off basically, but uh, I can't wait to start I, talking about something else, by the way. I, yeah, honestly, you know, we're kind of beating the dead horse here, but in the same way, we're not because world mini it's like we said, it's one of the biggest events around the country. It's got a historic name, right? People, people of young people of old, you say, Hey, I'm going to world mini. They're like, what? Wait a second. First of all, world mini's. World Mini's back, but then second of all, you're going and you're doing something there. So uh, make sure it, whether you're an East Coast person like me and you're making the trip out West or whether you're one of the West Coast rippers, uh, you're going and checking everything out. That's the first weekend in April, the 4th through the 7th uh, out at Mesquite MX. If uh, if Kenny Roxon trains out at Mesquite MX, then you definitely need to check it out. Uh, and I tell you what, I've watched probably 20 or 30 different videos, not only of the track, but of people talking about the track. I'm yet to hear a bad word about it. Like, I'm telling you what, it seems like that is the tip-top place, arguably maybe in the country. So uh, I'm going to give you the, the true review when I get down there and excited to cover all of the action out at World Mini. See, I'm excited for this this World Mini. because Obviously, last year, that was my, like, kickoff, inaugural first time working with the Verb crew. It was actually the first time that I met Wes Williams in person, even though I had him on my podcast about four or five times. Until then, the two of us were basically just like we're assuming the, that each other were uh, like figment, figments of our imagination, perhaps created by AI. But uh, it was that hug and maybe even a nibble on the ear that let us know that the things are getting all too real. This is what I'm really looking forward for you, Zach, is this track is an absolute stalwart facility. Absolutely gorgeous. And the, they manicure everything tip top the beginning of every single day. The track is, you will not find a track that gets rougher. And I know Loretta Lynn's gets nice and rough. That's why this track gets so rough. Track owner's son went to Loretta Lynn's, got his doors blown off and says, never again to my kid. This is the same track that this is the RC, uh, the RMX series that has produced guys like Pierce Brown, guys like Garrett Marchbanks. And oh, have you heard of Chance Hymas? All three of those guys are basically born and raised 
from this type of soil. And uh, one of the things I absolutely love for you uh, is the fact that the entire track is right in front of you. You're not having to crane your neck, nothing. Uh, it's all ca- happening right in front of that window, and you will have the track owner ha- peering over your shoulder. So mind your P's and Q's, but make sure that you are at World Mini uh, in one Absolutely. month's time. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, and uh, especially coming from the GNC side of things, the GNCC side of things, where I see your leaders for maybe four or five seconds. Uh, a lot of people don't know I do lucky. all of the amateur broadcasting throughout the day before the Racer TV broadcast goes live, and we usually see your leaders for, yeah, maybe 20 seconds, and then they dip back into the woods for, oh, I don't know, 40 minutes. So when you think that there's, it's tough to talk about what's going on right in front of your face, try doing that. Uh, sometimes I'll get bored and just, oh, my gosh, we got to pass for the lead. Do we? Maybe. Who's going to know? But, uh, no, absolutely. Having the whole track in front of you is going to be fantastic, and uh, I'm excited. I, I like having the big boss over my shoulder. If there's something that needs to be said, he knows exactly who to tell to say it. So it's going to be an exciting opportunity up and down. And, uh, yeah, like I said, can't wait to see the gate drop and get some racing started. Oh, yeah, they're going to take care of you. And I know this is a moto podcast. This is the Verb Moto Power Hour. But uh, fuck it. Let's talk about Big Buck. And uh, it's, it's just in the rearview mirror. I was, this is actually, I don't often tr- uh, chime in for or tune in for the live broadcast. Um, but that's because last year you and I were not best buds. We did not know uh, that each other existed. We collided at uh, Verbadilla, and here we are. I'm I'm in the the, the chat room. That's uh, an absolute toxic uh, cesspool of negativity that I don't want to get into. But I thought it was pretty cool, man. That track layout looked very fun. Certain parts of it. There's a hill that we're going to get into that does not look like a lot of fun. But give me your thoughts, just like overarching umbrella look at uh, Big Buck that uh, was the opening round for the GNCC series. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And like you said, uh, so much hype, I guess, coming into the season is probably the best way to talk about it. These guys on the off-road side of things, very similar to the moto side of things. You've got, oh, this, this rider's on a new bike. This guy went to a new team, uh, a flying around. It's not in the, the test track, but the test trail, right? So, uh, all the different rumors about riders you expect to see up front early, uh, riders that maybe had some injuries or stuff over the off season. So, uh, the first couple of days were just a ton of rumors. Uh, but when things got ready to get started on actually Saturday afternoon, kicked off the two wheel racing, man, it was fireworks from, from the green flag drop. You know, it, it was, uh, we started with the bike youth class, Caleb Wood, who I know you're good buddies with, uh, had him on the Grom report, right? I believe so. Yeah. Actually, he yeah. was, uh, yeah, the first GNCC racer that we had on the Grom report. Great kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic guy. And, uh, man, did he put on a show for the field, him and Braden Baisley. Coming down to the final couple of corners, you guys are actually going to be able to read about it on Verb Moto later this week. Did a nice little write-up about the whole thing, but uh, absolutely plowed into some lap riders coming to the checkered flag. All-out battle. What a way to kick off the racing, right? And then the next day, Sunday morning, we start off the AM bike race, which has our women's pro class. And those ladies were arguably probably the closest racing I saw all year last year. I'm not even joking, Brad. I swear, I think Rachel Archer beat Corey Steed one race by like a Dunlop knobby. It was, it was anybody's wow. guess. Um, uh, and it was more of the same. All three of our top ladies switched brands this year. Uh, so a lot of questions with them and they showed up and showed out for us. So great racing there. And then the, the pro race, right? What everybody wants to hear about. It was, I'm going to be honest, not quite as bar banging and exciting lead swapping as some people may have hoped. Uh, Johnny Gerard on that factory Red Bull FMF KTM. Did he ever relinquish the lead? He was, re- he was leading right off the hop. Wire to wire. The guy even popped up like a 12 o'clock wheelie coming through pit lane the first lap and installed the bike in the next corner. Still held on to the lead for the entire three hours, uh, which 
I think is going to stoke up a lot more questions, right? Man, what did Johnny Gerard do in the offseason? What has he got figured yeah. out? Uh, we had your, your defenders. I can hear it already. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're swirling around somewhere, but uh, your defending champ not making things easier on himself going down. Uh, still waiting to find out exactly what happened to him, but put it like this. The guy, jersey was torn almost entirely off, front number plate missing altogether, no visor, full bullet head. Definitely That's souvenirs. I guess, yeah. Some fans are walking away with some lucky souvenirs, absolutely. But, uh, without a doubt, a tough crash. And he was, he was nursing that thing all the way back to the finish line. So, uh, a lot of work cut out for your, your championship defenders, uh, both in the XC1 class, Liam Draper in the XC2 class. He was about 30 to 45 seconds back off the start. He was dead last off the start, had to get the bike, jump started to get going. Uh, he actually managed to fight back for a podium. I'm telling you, man. I, I mean, I'm rambling on and on. I know a lot of you guys probably don't know these names. You should. And uh, by the time you're finished listening to me, you probably will. But uh, it was it was a ton of fun. It was a ton of great action to call. The Racer TV broadcast coverage was fantastic. And uh, besides a little too chilly for me, which I know you, you're you're giving me some slack on, right? It's uh, I'm cold down here. You're laughing because you'd be sweating in the same weather. But nonetheless, right. I was a little chilly. Uh, but an absolute great weekend at Big Buck and a great way to start off the season. I am, and uh, I am acclimated to the the cold weather. Uh, I, if if all of a sudden, uh, if I was in in your shoes and all of a sudden it was a whole lot cooler, uh, bordering around freezing, I, I would probably be shivering like a dog shitting razor blades, no different than yourself. Um, before we get too far into this, th- like this podcast. The Power Hour is going to dip into some different realms of dirt. This is an hour to celebrate two-wheel exhilaration, throttle therapy in all forms of it. We're going to talk GNCC. We're going to talk Supercross. We're going to talk Motocross. We're going to talk Loretta's Prep and even talk about some of the uh, the regionals and the area qualifiers that have been going down, some kids that their uh, road to Loretta's is all too real. Um, so we're going to kind of like meander around a little bit talking about some different stuff, but it is going to be informed banter and uh, we'll do exactly that. So um, brought to our friends over at race brought to us over by our friends over at race tech. Uh, thanks checkers for supporting all things verb moto and inc- including writing articles for us seemingly on a weekly basis. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the uh, let's get into a, a race tech suspension and engines block pass talking about surprises and disappointments from big buck. What, what do you got? Man, so I, I think it would be hard to not say that the biggest disappointment was the, the tough lock for Craig DeLong. Like I was just talking about, um, this guy, I know a lot of you probably don't see the interviews and stuff like that, but he is a calm, cool, and very quiet type of champion, right? The guy is absolutely balls to the walls when he's got the helmet on. He's riding that Rockstar Energy Husqvarna, and uh, to be able to put it to Stu Baylor and the rest of the entire XC1 class is not an easy thing to do, but... Off the bike, the guy has just got this quiet, calm demeanor where it's like you would never in a million years think this is a national champion. And it was a little different coming into this season. Still quiet, not saying a whole lot, but he's he's walking with the chest bucked out a little bit more, man. He's, he kind of feels like he belongs. He feels like he is one of the guys, if not the guy, coming into the season. Um, so now it's really disappointing, not disappointing in Craig, but disappointing for Craig that he's not at an advantageous spot at the moment. I'm not saying I expected him to go out and win but it would have been nice to be able to see him finish in the top five uninjured, unscathed, and really be able to see what he was able to do at round one. Um, I think the biggest surprise with me personally was Stu Baylor not only uh, switching teams and switching brands, but 
Stu is actually the owner of his team and the the manager of his team. It's the the Rocky Mountain Red Bear Kawasaki Racing Team, and he's got a full effort. He was kind of doing a similar deal last year. He had his own thing going, and that really seems to to suit Stu. If you know him, he's he's a character, and there's only one of them out there. But uh, he really wanted to build a program built around him that he enjoyed. But he brought on some other fantastic riders as well. Thad Duvall, who was uh, dropping back down to the XC2 class, had some tough luck on the weekend, but a solid performance. Bike made it all the way to the finish. Rachel Archer, his female racer, she got the win in her class. And then Caleb Wood, like we were just talking about, that's his youth rider uh, and kin to him as well. He comes out, puts it to him, and gets the win. So biggest surprise for me was just the the – seemingly effortless success that the the Rocky Mountain Red Bear Kawasaki team seem to have. I'd love to see it. Uh, big fans of all of those riders. And so um, I think there's definitely some rumors swirling about the private team and whether or not they were going to be as prepared as some of the others. And they clearly were. They, they handled business out of Big Buck. No, I'll say this about Stuart, Baylor, uh, same thing with Caleb, Thad, and, uh, and Rachel, and everybody else that they have under that tent, just gamers. Every single one of them is cut from the same cloth and the people who uh, are not willing to um, let things that would otherwise held, hold other people back, hold them back. They're, they're, they're in with, uh, with both feet. And uh, yeah, you'd mentioned Caleb right off the hop there. Um, there's, I saw a post that he put out uh, coming right down to the last corner there. He's got someone hot on his heels and uh, yeah, lappers get out of my way. Uh, like I'm sure the parents of one of those lappers probably not super stoked on that, but that's they not... were actually believe it or not. Not only did he hit the kid, but he knew him. Ace Tokar was the name of the kid. He's number four eleven, and he won his class as well too. I got to okay. talk to him. Got to talk to him on the podium. Still managed to get the win. Last thing he said was, "Hey Caleb, next time hit the brakes for me, would you please?" And so yeah, yeah. Uh, all well, in oh, good I missed fun. My break. I missed my break. Yeah. Oh my bad, man. It, the mullet got in my hair. But, uh, no, it was, it was really cool to see the sportsmanship for all of those guys. All four of the riders were able to stay on two wheels. But, uh, yeah, to say there was some contact made was, was an understatement, but absolutely to have a, a whole program put together by yourself and, and getting the sponsors and getting everything you need to the races. That's a huge undertaking. And then to go out, strap the helmet on, focus on nothing but what you need to do. That's a difficult task in its own. So, uh, a huge shout out to Stu and the entire crew there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- th- I think it was uh, a great first round. And uh, for Stu, who did not get the best of starts, he was sort of shuffled back. He uh, he made a lot of passes to be able to get to where he was at second place uh, with his brother uh, not too far behind him. Yes, no? Absolutely. Yeah, no, the Baylor boys uh, couldn't quite get things figured out right off the start, but they, they like to keep us on our toes, right? They, they, yeah. You got it. The worst thing you can the do for your, the best thing that you can do is give your competition no hope. The worst thing you can do is give them hope and then take that hope away with only a couple laps to go. And man, those guys are, uh, you remember when they used to call Dungy the diesel, right? right? And I know Dungy didn't really like it. He was more of a goldenrod guy, but the diesel, it takes him a minute. These are some big boys. The Baylor boys, they, they got the size on them. They've been known to take out a couple of trees instead of getting taken out by the trees. Oh, but yeah. uh, it takes them a minute to get going, man. And I, both of them are on the green machines now. I love to see it. And they were an absolute unit coming through the woods and coming through that XC1 pack. Both of them winding up on the podium, grabbing second and third. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we move on, I like Brent Baylor. Like, he's, it, was he living in like a wood cabin that he he fashioned himself prior to this event? Like, 
he looked like a, a full-on mountain man standing the on grizzly the that's what they yeah. call him grant the grizzly baylor he was in hibernation hasn't shaved uh been been stocking up eating before the winter and now he's ready to do work and and all joking aside you know grant and Stu both we joke about the fitness we joke about their them being a little bigger than some of your other riders that are more rail thin but man the endurance and the intensity that those guys bring to the racetrack. At one point going into the final lap, Grant Baylor was 23 seconds faster than anyone else on the racetrack. Like, could you imagine saying, okay, we've got Eli Tomac out front and Jet Lawrence is 23 seconds faster than him. Like, it's it's mind-boggling the differences that you can see in these GNCC races over three hours. And for you to be, oh, I don't know, two hours and 35 minutes into a race let that sit for a second two mm-hmm. hours and 35 minutes of balls to the wall racing and then you go and drop 23 more seconds uh fights all the way tooth and nail to get the podium finish yeah I- i'm excited for for grant uh for both the baylor boys but for grant specifically man to start the season off this strong and he really sounded confident on the podium i think he could be a, a sneaky championship contender as the season goes on certainly so uh like th- this is going to be a little bit different of a power hour show. We actually have an, an interview to throw in with Cody shock. Um, obviously this being a, ra- a weekend that there was no AMA nationals, motocross or supercross race in the rear view mirror. So we're going to take this opportunity to sort of, um, shoehorn in, uh, a, a interview as well as give maybe, uh, you and I a little bit of a break. So you are having, you dealing with a case of the sniffles due to the fact that you are soft. Um, so let's go straight into a rapid fire game. I'm just basically picking one or the other. It's not going to take very long, just like most of my first dates. Let's start things off with two stroke versus four stroke. Four stroke. 250 or 450. Bull fatty. Bud's Creek on like absolutely the perfect day or Red Bud 4th of July. Riding or watching? Both. Like you're going to ride. You're gonna ride uh, the like the amateur day, and then you're going to the national. So like you have you have like you got you, you got to go Red Bud, and I'm I want Bud's Creek. Bud's Creek is my national track. That's what I went to growing up. But I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I went to I went to Red Bud for Dis Nations 18. So I got to see like the the, and then it just plummeted after that first race. All hopes were lost. Like as rowdy as Red Bud gets when they're happy. Yeah. They get equally as rowdy when they're sad. And so I got to see the dark side of Red Bud. Lot B was more like a like a graveyard than a a, a rave or a party. Yeah. Um, so I definitely I want to go out there for July 4th. To ride the track would be great. I'm probably going to going to wind up in the stretcher trying to go for the leap, but if nothing else, um it would be pretty cool to to check that out on 4th of July. I throw some air horns out there. Maybe maybe take the blade off the chainsaw and hold that thing up in the air too. I'm going Red Bud. For, uh complete side note though you actually did get to meet the dark side you met jamie guida at uh this last weekend he was uh, he was turning a wheel with the rest of the industry boys absolutely yeah no it was a a cool opportunity there yamaha unveiling some of their new off-road lines uh in the carolinas the week leading up to big buck and they said hey guys if somebody wants to go racing let's go racing so jamie guida uh, there with vital mx he jumped out and he's no stranger to gncc he's doing i believe two last year and yeah. talking to him, I think he's going to try to do at least two or three this year as well. So there you go. I, I'm telling you, man, GNCC catch the fever. I'm not talking the fever I've got. I'm talking the real fever. Um, but it was, it was awesome to see some people in the industry. Josh Moseman jumping out there as well. He was, he was dicing it up in the sportsman A class. Uh, Matt Rice, instead of he put down the cameras, he picked up the bike. He might be regretting that one a little bit. I know mm-hmm. his YZ came back. His rear fender did not. Um, so hoping Matt's feeling okay today. Last time I saw him, he was laying on the ground, just 
doing the, you know, we've all been there. The good, uh, uh, yeah. So he was not feeling great, but, uh, no, it was really exciting to see all of those different personnel from the different aspects of racing, whether it's motocross or the off-road side of things coming out and enjoying it. And even, even Matt, I know he was hurting, but I still think he had a good time. Like it's, it's just one of those things you want to experience. Um, I know I was even talking to, talking to Troy, man. I think he's going to try to break one out at Ironman, maybe get the verb boys out there. Fair enough. Well, I'll be uh, anxiously awaiting the uh, the letter mail to uh, to get that invite. Uh, continuing on with some rapid fire questions here, we got Lurch versus Wes Kane for a uh, who could work a crowd better. Mm, I don't know, man. I'm gonna go Lurch. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the somebody scream. That, like, that's the you know I'm Wes Kane and you're not. And trust me, it works. That thing works like a charm. But you, if you've ever been in a Supercross stadium. Uh, you know, let's get, I'm not even going to try with my throat right now, but no. let's get it on. Put it like this. There's a reason Lurch is in my song out at the ranch. And it's because that let's get it on just gets me fired up. The revs go up. There's nothing quite like it. So I'm going to go Lurch on that one. Love it. Uh, I know you're active on social media. People are not already following Zach Heron 16 on either Instagram or Twitter. They need to. But if you had to choose between one of those platforms to post to regularly, and you going with? I'm an Insta banger guy, man. I've never, never been the the quick thumbs for the Twitter. I've I've actually been trying to work on my mid moto tweeting throughout the supercrosses and stuff this year because by the time I get ready, you know, form my thought mm-hmm. and and develop my perfectly punctuated tweet, the yeah. race is all, all already over. So uh, now and I've it's stopped got carrying mistake anyway. Yeah, I've stopped carrying what it looks like. I put commas in there just for fun, and uh, I'm I'm tweeting a couple of times per heat race. So, uh, but. All in all, not that I'm any more regular on Instagram, but I definitely am a better fan of Instagram than, than Twitter or X or whatever. But I will say though, the, the boundaries that X has got are a little wider. So you get maybe a little more raw feelings and emotions on Twitter. So I, I like stalking Twitter better, but I like posting to Instagram better. Yeah. No, the, uh, the, the, the keyboard warriors are definitely on the, the Twitter a little bit more. Um, I'm amazed what people are willing to say behind the uh, the friendly confines of a computer screen. Last one I have for you. You're a number, big number 16 guy. You've got number 16 on your wall there. Uh, I'm going to make you pick, though. Dowdy or Osborne? I love him to death, but Osborne running the real 338 for too long. JYD, junkyard dog, baby. He's the real 16. That is the real 16. I think he was also, that's the first, um, first maybe that's the only two ever uh to have uh, had a permanent number 16 yeah i'm trying to think i know uh vial has got it now but that's not a career number right that's it's just a, yeah. oh it is okay okay cool okay. so um yeah no uh, jyd he was always one of my favorites the 16 comes from my father as well his dad uh, him him and his dad also were number 16 in their disciplines of racing so it's uh it's definitely a yeah it's a family thing for me for sure i was actually talking to zacko the other day i said hey i'm trying to collect some pro 16 jerseys i got dowdy you know, why don't we see if we can make something happen? I said if he couldn't find a 16, I'd take his uh, 338 jersey from Mini Warriors 3. Oh, well, if, he's, if, if as long as you're not being picky. Uh, and uh, for those who are wondering, that is the superior uh, Mini Warriors of the uh, – it's it's not a trilogy because there is a fourth. It's kind of like the fourth There's one. There's a fifth, like, too. Did you know that one? Is there a fifth? There's a fifth. Got Cooper Webb in it and everything. Three and four are my personal favorites. Was it like late? Like Was it like, a, like they're trying to like relaunch the – is it kind of like Cooper... the great outdoors video from like 2017 that like was just awkward? Mm, kind of like that. I don't know. Cooper was, I think, still on an 85. Like he hadn't even moved to the 150 yet. So it was, I think, Cincerello's in it. I'm trying to think yeah. of some of the other names that were in it. 
Chase but, Bell, uh, Zach Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bells were in it. That's right. Um, which one was was it three or four that had Nick Paluzzi just ass over tea kettle on the Cobra? Uh, that's three. That's three. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, it's like uh, there's a little peer of the uh, the, the listeners can give a little bit of a, uh, a a sight into the sick minds of, of the two of us. Um, just on being able to recall motocross videos of the beck and call before we that get one into... video of the little kid crashing. Yeah, I do from 20 years ago. That, that's that's us basically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and like and for you, a video that came out like when you were what, like five I was also probably on a 50 watching that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not like, like I remember it because I was like a teenager, like in high school watching these videos. Um, You were actively racing with some of these individuals. In fact, I think you're still younger than a few. Um, Okay. Before we get to Cody shock, I'm going to throw that to, to uh, very quickly. I need to talk to you about that Hill. You were, you were doing a on location uh, track update and I keep having ideas like, hey, maybe I might ride, ride a GNCC, like get more into off road, um, like that. That video shot gave did did GNCC no favors because I'm officially out. If that's what I have to go up, like there's rocks and kickers and like I, I just see myself. I, I broke both collarbones watching the spot. Like great, great job on the on location. Like here, here I am uh, wearing your Monster Energy hat and the whole nine yards. Um, but yeah, I count me no thanks. Well, and, and Brad, you know, you've been to a supercross, you've been to an outdoor national, and I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. Have you ever noticed how much different the track looks in person than it does? Oh, yes. rephrase, how much gnarlier it looks in person than anything the camera can ever do. I don't care how high quality your camera is. And yeah. trust me, racer TV, we got some good stuff going our way. Dude, that thing was like going up the side of a building. I hate that we didn't get turned to maybe 45 seconds sooner because a rider is going, um, we're breaking out the hand, straight up the hill, kicks the rear end, going uphill, still manages to fully flip straight to the noggin and then tumbling back down the hill. And I think that's probably the craziest thing about it is people are like, oh man, that's... I'm scared I'm not going to make it all the way to the top. Well, you should be, because if you make it four-fifths of the way, you're taking the rest of the four-fifths back down the hill. Uh, I saw one of our quad riders on Saturday hanging on for dear life, whiskey throttling, a full race quad off to the left into the crowd. Looked like everybody was okay. I don't know. GNCC mud fleas. That's what we call the, the fans out there. They don't want to be around it. They want to be in it, all right? They're they're telling you, bring it towards me. Bring it towards me. I'll grab your front tire, man. I'll, I got you taken care of. It is the, to say those fans are a different breed is an understatement, but without a doubt, I hadn't, uh, last year was my inaugural season with GNCC and everybody, Hey, Hey, we're at Big Buck. Are we doing the hill? Are we doing the hill? And finally I walked up to, to Mikey Waynes and was like, what the hell is the hill? And he's like, Oh, dude, hey, if we had time, I'd go down and show you to it. But it's this, it's this hill that is just gnarly. It's claimed many a riders, ruined many a, a championship days and finally got the opportunity to go down there. We were going to do a live report from it. And man, First of all, I got taken out. Thank God it didn't get caught on camera. A rock, I picked it up in my report, easily over the size of a softball, just comes tumbling down the hill, completely takes my leg out from under me. Uh, only about a thousand fans down there to laugh at me live in person. It's okay. Nothing hurt but my pride. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, like I said, if that was enough to scare you, just stay at home because I promise you it's 10 times gnarlier in person. And, uh, I was much happier to be holding a microphone than grabbing a throttle, praying to God and 
picking the line because basically that's one of those ones where you got to commit probably 50, 60 feet before you ever even start the incline because there's no quitting. You got to just be wide open all the way to the top. And the fact that I think there was like 400 riders on track during that afternoon race and all of them were hitting it. I got to give props where props is due. So yeah, it's a, it was an impressive feat. I saw a couple of fans walking up it, which was also equally as impressive, but uh, yeah, that hill is gnarly to say the least. And uh, if you ever decide you're going to come down to one, Iron Man's got a pretty gnarly hill as well. So Maybe, but I think you might go down that one. So maybe that'd be a little more your style. Yeah, no, we, we both more of a, more of a downhill guy than an uphill guy. Uh, but either way, uh, yeah, I was completely turned off by the whole idea, uh, by that video spot and that video spot alone. It is now time for the verb thought line. You want to submit your questions? You can do so on Twitter, verb moto at verb moto. Use hashtag verb line to sort of like bring some attention to it for me because I don't get all the notifications all the time. Uh, when tabulating the questions, it that makes it a whole lot easier for me. Or if you want to make it super easy for me, you can email me brad at verbmoto.com with your questions. Uh, we've got a couple to get to before we throw it to our interview with Cody Shock. Starting things off with James Austin from Fort Dodge, Iowa. Absolutely a staple in uh, North American uh, Arena Cross. Uh, they used to just Fort Dodge forever. Um, and the question is, if you could pick one year to be Ricky Carmichael's best year of being his prime, what would it be and why? I know my answer to this question. What say you, Mr. Heron? Well, whenever we talk about Ricky, you you always shamelessly rub in my face that I was just a wee lad and that uh, I didn't really get to experience the beginning of Ricky Carmichael. So for me, uh, I want to say it was 02 or 03 that was my first season even getting to go to a pro national I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to just say 04 because it was the second undefeated season. Uh, there was some solid, solid competition, but for me, it's like, man, you're undefeated. It's pretty hard to argue with that one. Um, I'm going to be honest off the top of my head. I don't really know how the Supercross series went for him that year, but just basing it off of the outdoor nationals, I'm going to go 04. You obviously, I can tell by your, your quivering eyebrow, you have a different opinion and probably more education to back it up. Let's hear it. So like like you're you're not just saying that you don't remember the 04 uh supercross season for RC out of out of Jeff's like you legitimately don't know how he did that year? No, dude. I was like 5 or 6 years old. Okay, fair enough. Well, what what year are you born again? 97, baby. 97. Okay. Well, when you were at the tender age of 6 years old, uh Ricky Carmichael did not race the 2004 Supercross series. He was recovering from a knee surgery that he That's right. For some had, reason, uh, I thought that was 05. What year did right. he get join Suzuki? That was 05, wasn't That's it? That's 05. That okay. is the, like the, the most, like my, my whole life, uh, is about January 8th, uh, for James Stewart. Um, in, in that year, actually, like the whole, like you want to like talk about the 05 Supercross series. It's awesome and also terrible at the same time because Carmichael gets second in Anaheim two or Anaheim one. It was a total mutter and that gave him like a 25 point lead to start the entire series. James Stewart gets, I think, fifth that opening round, and then he breaks his arm uh, the following weekend uh, at San Diego, or not, uh, Phoenix. So, like, Carmichael had, like, a great little lead to start that season off, um, and, it, like, the series did not really turn out to be as iconic as, it, as we wanted it to be, uh, even though we got James Stewart on a 252 stroke. It is the last year that a 252 stroke won that championship. Um, but getting back to James's question, specifically of what my like his absolute pinnacle and if you want to talk dominance 
There's two years that stick out in my mind. You want to talk dominance? Kawasaki, 2001. Uh, he wins, he wins 14 supercrosses that year out of a possible 16 rounds. Uh, McGrath wins the other two, but more amazingly, Ricky Carmichael wins 13 in a row to finish off that season, had the championship wrapped up with four races to go, and then goes outdoors and win- and loses just two nationals that particular year on a very ill-handling Kawasaki. And in my heart, Ricky Carmichael is a Kawasaki rider. I have him on a Suzuki right here. The one behind me, he's on a 125 from, two- from 1999. But... If I'm being honest with myself, of what Ricky Carmichael's most dominant year, when he was challenged more than anybody, got to be 03. Got to be Chad Reed as a rookie going into that series. He he ends up losing six rounds to to uh, actually five five in a row to finish off the 03 season, but he did all the work he needed to do to win that championship, and then goes outdoors on a 252 stroke that was bringing a a, a knife to a gunfight against Kevin Windham, who was rested, ready to go, and ready to rip. And he lost just two nationals on consecutive weekends, finishing off um, one of the most dominant seasons anyone's ever had. Uh, so I'm going to go with the 03 season. That, to me, Ricky Carmichael at his absolute peak, fucking rolled his, uh, the bars right into his lap and uh, and rolled into our hearts with uh, two back-to-back victories. And then, uh, yeah. Following yeah, year, see, late, ladies and gentlemen, you have asked the racing rain man uh, a dated question, and that's what you get right there. Because <laughs> that's what I mean. The the knowledge is is second to none, uh, and I'm not going to back out on my answer. I'm going to stick to it. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, without a doubt, course, tough oh, to beat though. Like that, that's that's a guy who's a long time two stroke guy. Who honestly, if I'm if I'm really being honest, if there's guys who like switching to four stroke helped, and guys who switching to four stroke hurt. Switching to four strokes was not a, the best move. Like that, that was a poorly timed thing that happened in Carmichael's career. I think he'd even be more dominant had they stayed on two strokes. Um, but him reinventing himself on a Honda, that Honda 450 was an absolute rocket ship, and uh, he put it to good use that summer. Do you ever think we see as big of a industry change as the two stroke to four stroke? couple years like if you really think about it like like let's talk about 03 obviously kevin's on the four stroke and and that was where you really started to see the talk right like it was like what's better what's going to be you know more usable down the road this that and the other thing and then 05 like you said there was still some two strokes but there was more and it looked relatively obvious that the four strokes were taking over i mean that three to four year period is is kind of second to none like i can't really ever think of anything maybe water-cooled engines or flipped forks or something like that and i mean what's the next one are we going to start to see the the four stroke versus electric battle like where do we go from here yeah i I, unfortunately and like i'll 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 be like much as i was during the four stroke uh transition uh i i like everyone jumped on four strokes because they were immediately it was the easy button made everything easier you could jump stuff you didn't have to be in the right gear um going fast on a dirt bike was was made easier by four strokes and like that's just the way it is the the engines are built a certain way uh that allows way more torque way easier power delivery although now they hit like a brick shit house uh and they they made them lighter and easier to ride and all that fun stuff now we have some of the best bikes that exist in the history of the sport and yeah i'd have to say that 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 next conversation is already starting to happen with 
like uh, I'm sure there's some. I don't know if there's any Starks that uh, that you can ride at GNCC. We had two, of two them. Starks this weekend. Yep. There you go. Um, so that conversation is already starting to happen. Um, and honestly, it, much like the four-stroke conversation, it really won't really take into effect or t- take grab hold of the the industry until all the main manufacturers are making. Obviously, Stark they're in they're in the space. They're doing their thing. Honda has thrown their hat in the ring and they have a one of a kind bike that's going to doing its thing in that Explore series. And it's going to be, they're going to get, it's going to get better and it's going to get more competitive. And at some point, I don't know if they mix. I think that's really weird. I think they would uh, honestly, uh, the electric bike would probably have to make some sort of noise in order to be able to compete with it. With a, yeah, it's a, it's a almost more bike. revolutionary than the two stroke force, just in the difference of sound and the way the power is delivered and stuff. It's uh, yeah. have you ever, have you gotten a ride any of those yet? I haven't um, at the gypsy 500. If uh, Anton Wass doesn't let me take one for a spin, I will be personally offended, but, um, and I'll tell him that prior to asking, but um, yeah, like I, I, like it's it's kind of like a it's the elephant in the room, and like the the real sad part about it is that like I think there's a lot of people who like they they don't want to see electric because they like the things that they like about motocross is the sounds and the smell. Well, you take two of those things away, now you still got the sights and you get the the like Feel experience like of riding a dirt bike. Yeah. Um, but I think the like eliminating those two very big elements does change the way it's done. Like the, the sort of the, the, the experience of going to the track. Like honestly, it's funny. Like I remember getting to the track back in the day, like it was almost two stroke days. You open the door to your truck and like, it was just two stroke gas everywhere. Like you smelled that caster mixing oil mixed with the premium or the race gas or whatever it happened to be. Now you, you don't smell that. Like you open, you, you open your doors, getting to the track today like there's like a handful of guys that run uh, Mr. Pro Six, like, and I, and I say that as joking because there was someone who walked up to us at a shred tour event and asked where he could find a, a can of Mr. Pro Six, which of course, if you're a fan of uh, all things uh, VP, you know that they have a, they have a product called MR Pro Six, which I was like, you know what, it is Mr. Pro Six. Mr. So, Pro Six, yep. I thought that was pretty funny, but uh, yeah, like it, that's that's the that's the evolution of the sport and. Uh, yeah, we're getting a little bit sidetracked on uh, our our questions here, but uh, yeah, like it's our podcast. We'll do what we want. Um, let's go. Yeah, let's go to this I next think... one because this is this is a little more my style here, especially given yeah. the the different format for today's Power Hour. So Aaron Lepesky from from High Point, North Carolina, and I'm Aaron. If if I've got you wrong or if I I don't know 100, percent I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure I actually used to race with Aaron uh, right there around North Carolina, the District 29 series. Uh, but he asked, do people ever get hurt at GNCCs that are watching? Seems like they are super close. Like we were talking about just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, so that's it. That is one of the things that makes GNCC different than arguably any other professional racing it's that like I've rally, seen. When they have like all those people hanging out on the side of the road. It kind of, I mean, I'll be honest. It's even a little less restricted than rally. I, there are certain points where, uh, there's, there's banners and there's ropes and stuff put where you're not supposed to go across. Now I'd be lying through my teeth if I said people ever listen to that. Uh, because like I said, the GNCC fan base doesn't seem to want to watch it. They want to be a part of it. And so if they see their favorite rider stuck, which does happen, whether it's in a mud hole, whether it's on a hillside, uh, some of the quad guys that are flipped up into trees and you will see three or four fans pulling the motorcycles, the quads off of the riders, helping them, uh, slapping them on the back, dumping beer on them. I mean, it, it gets pretty crazy, but, uh, to, 
Aaron's point, yes, some riders do, or some spectators do. I don't want to say that they get hurt because it's essentially their fault. And uh, we still do have the voice of Rodney Tomlin and all of the pre-race uh, rituals, the pre-race speech, if you will. It says, hey, you know, GNCC racing is inherently dangerous and you are in charge of yourself. You're in charge of your dog. You're in charge of your kid. And if any of those things get hurt, it is not our fault. And so there have been some opportunities where spectators are crossing the track and maybe they don't. They don't look both ways. I, I, it's really kind of hard to say because I feel like there's a certain level of comfort crossing the track that an educated fan should get. But sometimes you catch that first fan. Hey, you know, I, I thought the trail was going this way and it was going that way. So uh, I have heard of some riders colliding. Um, I haven't heard of anything too, too crazy, but I definitely think the potential is there. But I honestly, I think that's part of the reason the fans keep coming, man. They love it. It's one of the only sports where it hasn't really been tamed down due to the safety precautions. And I mean, it might sound kind of back ass words, if you will, to sit there and say, Oh, less safety restrictions. But at the same time, there's something to be said about that where it's like, man, this is cool. Even, even doing the, the in-person broadcast from the Hill, man, you could even see, I, I know you got to see the clip that I put on. There was, there was a rider easily six to six inches, maybe a foot away from me, yeah. third gear tap headed up the Hill. And, and so, and there's a, a whole group of, of people up behind me on the hillside. So it is definitely one of those things where it's one of my favorite parts of GNCC, but it is one of those things. You got to be paying attention. You got to look both ways. And uh, if you don't, you'll find out in a hurry just why you should have. Absolutely. No, it really says something about GNCC when you have to look both ways on a one-way racetrack. Um, that, but, uh, Hey, yeah, like, uh, keep your head on a swivel, perhaps, uh, sport yourself a pair of, uh, sunglasses to keep some, uh, some rocks and debris out of your eyes. And, uh, yeah, the, like one of the things that you just mentioned just like completely blows me away. The fact that there is not yet a, I know we had blue Buffalo as a sponsor for a supercross team, but like, if there's like, I don't know, 50 families that show up to a motocross track on a given weekend, 45 of them have a dog in tow, like, how, 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 like, a, yeah, Purina or any of those companies have, haven't jumped on moto for, like, the, the dollar 55 that they'd be charged to advertise with, uh, with one of those series? I, I think that, that, that to me is a missed marketing opportunity and also a note that I'm going to make for later. It is now time to throw things over to Cody Shock. Uh, he is part of the Club of Mex. Team, he was he was with Phoenix Honda for the longest time. He has jumped ship from the from the red bikes to the blue bikes, and now here we have an interview on the Verb Moto Power Hour with Cody. And now joining us on the line, I am your host Brad Gebhardt, but the very special guest, the number sixty nine in your program, likely number one in your hearts, especially if you got your mind in the gutter when watching dirt bikes. Uh, he's just coming off of a career best fourth place finish at the Detroit Supercross, getting back into the swing of things, heading down to the beautiful city of Arlington, Texas. That is none other than Cody Shock. Cody, welcome to the show. No, thank you for having me. Dude, it's, this is your third, fourth, fifth time on the Verd Pop Network, man. Like, you're a hot commodity when it comes to Verb Moto. I guess so, but I'm okay with that because I grew up watching Verb Moto. So, it's, a, it's an honor. Preaching to the choir, my friend. Just me back at uh, in high school in the computer lab watching all those videos from Lake Whitney and Oak Hill. And, uh, oh, yeah. Who, who are some of the guys that, like, you, like, like just – like we're like major fans of on the amateur scene back when you were kind of coming up through the ranks. Mm, 
Well, it depends on how far back you want to go. I mean, all the way. You got, you got like Sonny Drake. Yes. And then, uh, was it PJ Larson? Um, that's a heavy hitter. That's then, a name. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Mays. I mean, and then you can go down to, uh, Jay Selwyn and like Kyle Peters. I mean, uh, let's see. Jeremy Martin. And then AC, when he was on a super mini, good Lord. That was amazing. Uh, Cooper Webb. I mean, the list that goes on. All those guys, when they're getting covered by Verb, it was insane. And I was definitely that kid in, in the computer lab watching it when I should have been probably doing my classwork. Hey, you, you and I both, uh, although the, the career path for you, you turned yourself into a professional motocross racer. So, uh, the, the, the addition and subtraction, uh, isn't that important until, uh, perhaps life after moto, uh, mentioned right off the rip, you're coming off of a career best. Uh, but before we talk about this season, you running the number 69, which is both awesome and hilarious. Um, let's dig a little bit into the amateur career of one Cody shock. What, what was that landscape like whereabouts well did you race out of who were some of your your rivals you grew up racing against and uh biggest question is how the hell did you get into it uh well to start out i grew up in delaware that's where i'm from and I've heard i that. used to race yeah yeah it's a, it's a little state it's a little state but it's on the map you know it counts um grew up racing like blue diamond uh Actually, there's a pretty big video from Justin Barsha um, riding Blue Diamond back in the day. Uh, Is that where he was, like, see. flipping someone off or, like, uh, fighting with someone? Mm, no, not that I know of. Not that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I grew up in Delaware, raced the Marva MX Series and Mama Series and uh, MDRA Series. Um, kind of floated around. We didn't really like follow each series uh, completely. We kind of just did our own thing. And the rivals, dude, there's many of them. I mean, Miguel Correa, uh, Tyler Kirshner, Kenny Vanarchek, uh, Jeremy Smith, which actually he still races outdoors. I was gonna today. say, dude, he was a bad dude, yeah. especially on mini bikes. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he came up through the ranks and. He, that, yeah, that dude rips. Um, and honestly, like there, there's there's a few others, but yeah, those were the main ones. And I'm so, I'm still friends with all of them to this day. Uh, but it's crazy to think that only one of them actually is racing still. So um, it's crazy to see how you know life hits. Everything kind of thins out. But but yeah, uh, just didn't really do any amateur nationals. I only did Loretta's growing up and. That never went well for me, but that was my one amateur race I would do, uh, and I did it like five times. So, never, never got inside the top ten. But you know what? We tried. <laughs> Fair enough. And well, there's a lot of people who go to Loretta. Like there's people who try to go to Loretta's, never even get there. Um, it's a race that you have to qualify to get in, uh, especially coming from an area like yours, hotly contested, lots of fast guys, like you'd mentioned. And yeah, you're totally right. Um, when you look at like the murderer's row of hotshot amateurs coming out of any area, uh, it's not too too uncommon that like look back look back ten years later and 
I'd say the majority of those guys are like they've they, they just ride for fun, or maybe they don't even ride at all. Uh, the fact that uh, you're one of the, the 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 cream that was able to rise to the top, that's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I'm definitely uh, fortunate enough to be in the position that I am. Um, obviously, I'm not where I want to be, but that's that's the whole point of growth, right? You're never satisfied, and you always want to keep um, bettering yourself. So. Yeah, just uh, look forward to wherever this journey takes me. I've gotten this far, so the rest is up from here. Certainly, my friend. Now, so tell me a little bit about uh, the, the the move over from uh, the team you're on to the team that you're now with. You are uh, a Club MX Yamaha rider, leaving uh, the friendly confines of uh, Phoenix Honda behind. I think you, you put in some amazing rides for those guys. Now, uh, running the friendly number 69 machine over at Club MX, that's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, I figured, you know, might as well join the club next crew uh they got everything going on over there and uh figured you know they had a lot of extra 69 uh number plates for phil that they would probably have to use so right figured to right. slap them things on the mod bike and call it a day <laughs> but uh no it's been awesome the whole crew over at club they uh they worked their butts off and i'm very very appreciative of the opportunity that they have given me and with all the tools to be successful. And I'm just trying to honestly live up to their expectations and my expectations as well. So when it comes to the, uh, the season for you, obviously you're racing the 250 East and you're coming off of a career best fourth place finish. We'll get to that in a few minutes here. Um, but what's the plan for going outdoors? Uh, will we find you back on a 450 again where, uh, it wasn't this last year, but the year prior, um, Cody Shock was nipping at the heels of more than a few private or factory racers that uh, were probably trying to figure out who the hell this guy is and where to get so fast. And uh, why won't he stop bothering me here? Well, inside the top 10, that was a pretty impressive ride. Yeah, that was a, that was a really great year for me. Um, definitely clicked it up another level and proved myself that I could do it. And I still know I can do it. I mean, I just proved to uh, myself this, uh, the other weekend that I can do it. So, uh, plan right now. Don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't have an outdoor deal. Okay. Um, obviously I'd like to stay with club, but I, I don't know if there's going to be room, but time will tell. Um, obviously, like I said, the goal is to ride for club for outdoors, whether it's 250, 450, I don't care. You give me a bike and I'll ride the wheels off of that thing. But, uh, yeah, we still got to figure that out. But right now, I just I just want to continue focusing on Supercross and uh, accomplishing my goals there first. Certainly. So let's talk about Detroit Supercross. Uh, I feel mm -hmm. like every year we like kind of count down the days to getting towards the East Coast. Uh, this year, it was so stacked. There's a ton of talent in there and in a, in a field that uh, has a lot of talent in it, a lot of heavy hitters and a lot of race winners. You find yourself fourth place after round one. Of course, there was a big uh, pileup in the first corner, but uh, you still had to put in the results, and uh, you were able to do exactly that. Uh, a really strong ride, tip to tail for you. Yeah, that was a crazy round. Uh, I went in pretty happy with uh, everything, with how I felt on the bike 
and where the team was at. And uh, I knew uh, we were in a pretty good position because Garrett Marchbanks has had like, what was it, two previous back-to-back podiums and Phil got a fourth. And in the Triple Crown, I think he got a third or a fourth in one of the mains. And so, like, I knew that if I were to be with those guys during the week that I could deliver on the weekend. So um, went into Detroit and felt felt good um, in the heat race and the main. Uh, I definitely struggled in practice. Not I've never been really a, a sprint guy for one lap or um, just known to like throw it down. And uh, I learned more about the motorcycle too in qualifying. Um, I thought we were in a good spot and we still were, but it was just like a few clickers away, you know, and right. just trying to get some right. more uh, comfort out of the bike. And obviously changing bike brands, uh, it's always going to throw you a curveball when conditions change. And obviously like everyone said that Detroit was pretty interesting. Uh, I described it as like Velcro okay. and you okay. literally could go wherever you wanted, but sometimes I felt like, it was too much. So it was causing it a me bit to grabby ride a at times, especially on the yeah. front wheel. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we learned a lot about, I learned a lot about myself and the bike, uh, Saturday morning. And then when the night show came, uh, the comfort built, and I just was able to, uh, to deliver and put myself in good positions. Um, looking back, it was like, you know, I didn't get lucky off that start. I put myself in that position. Like, if, if everyone were to go into that first turn and stay up, I was going to come out fourth regardless. Um, and that's something I want to continue to do is just focus on getting great starts and riding my own laps because I just try to treat it like any other day at Club MX with all the boys. So it was uh, it was awesome. It was also crazy when Dakota didn't even tell me that I was in fourth on the pit board. I literally was like, I'm somewhere inside, I think, the top seven, but I didn't know. And when I, then when I crossed the finish line and I saw my name in fourth, I literally screamed. I just revved that bike to the moon. So I was like, heck, yeah, that is awesome. So, um, yeah, definitely just uh, I know I can do it. I proved it to myself, and I just want to keep uh, delivering for Club MX and, and myself. Absolutely, dude. It's amazing to see the the progression that you've made over the years, um, going from uh, the privateer efforts uh, from the earliest portion of your career, now obviously on a much more supported team. Uh, and with that comes uh, more pressure, but also you seem to continue to to deliver. Um, that that's got to feel good. You you had some uh, some friends and family on the floor as well. Um, and I also got to extend a congratulations to you. You got engaged about uh, two weeks after i got engaged this last uh this last october so congratulations on that as well congrats to you too thanks man. that's awesome but yeah um yeah the engagement i don't know about you dude but i i about blacked out and that was more stressful than a main event for me Oh yeah, uh, my fiance Nicole is adamant that she didn't even hear what I said, which is fantastic. <laughs> uh, I like to tease her. I'm like, that's actually not what I said whatsoever. I just said that like uh, I'm allowed to fart under the sheets for the rest of our lives, and that's that's what I was asking. You said yes, so uh, that's essentially permission. Um, but yeah, no, that was super nerve wracking. And uh, for those who are considering um, proposing at the Eiffel Tower. 
I recommend it, but also know that it's not nearly as romantic as you think it's going to be, and there will be uh, some, uh, let's just say, Syrian refugees playing Mohambi's Bumpy Ride about 20 minutes, 20 seconds away from you. Oh, yeah, that that's quite interesting. That is for sure. Yeah, I no, mean, it's a bit different. I mean, ours is a little bit on the opposite side. Ours was pretty romantic, and my family and her entire family were uh, were there. And I threw awesome. everybody off. Well, you got some great and, pictures of it, too. Yeah, well, I threw everybody off because nobody knew about it. So that, that was cool. That is super awesome, dude. What, what, uh, um, like you must have known you were doing this for quite some time. Did you, did you like go and look at rings together or did you just like, uh, did you try and find something that she might like? We did. We did. We, uh, we went, looked at rings and ended up taking like four or five different rings to make one. And, uh, I mean, she's allowed to be picky. I mean, it's going to be on her <laughs> fingers for the you. rest of her life. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Pretty is... cool. And then honestly, me personally, I didn't really care about the price tag. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, if, if I'm going to do if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right and just do it right the first time. So it was, uh, it was awesome. That Definitely is... something I'll remember forever. Heck yeah, man. I'm so pumped for you on that. Uh, and, and you're entirely right. Now, I, I bring that up because I think that the support system of a professional motocross racer is uh, one of the biggest linchpins to their success, of their being able to um, be of sound body and mind. When they go to the line, uh, they know that their their heart is full and that they're they're supported no matter what. Um that that's got to be a huge uh like piece for you to be able to know that you've got someone in your corner uh through thick and thin uh someone who can rock the merch on the on your your Instagram uh and show it off and stuff like that but also be there uh when the cameras are off and everything like that to uh to make sure that you're you're doing everything you need to do uh in order to be successful on weekends. Yeah, it's it's definitely special uh considering that Emily has been with me we technically met when I was at my lowest and if she was able to love me then, I mean, it's, I'm assuming it's much easier now. Dude, that's huge. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's nice to know that even if things were to go low, um, she's with me regardless. And it's, there's nothing like having your rock, you know, with you the through the entire journey and she's not just here for the high she's also with me for the lows and vice versa Mm -hmm. i mean it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time and uh it's just nice to know that i'm able to come home and look at my person and be like this is home home is wherever she is and i feel like that's really important and i'm grateful that her and i have been put together and Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's life is amazing. I I couldn't picture uh, my life without her. Dude, that's that is for sure. Ass. Oh, I love to hear that, man. That is uh, that I think that's big, uh, especially for a young man who's trying to achieve some great things. Uh, and when achieve and when chasing after those great things, you do a pretty dangerous job, by the way. Uh, you want to make sure that you're protected. And I stumbled across this brand. Oh, I don't know, about six months ago, they kind of start coming across my radar. Uh, I start researching into a little bit. I placed an order, and 
and fell in love with it. RXR Protect, uh, the chest protectors, they also have knee braces. Uh, you're, you're a, an RXR Protect athlete. Uh, tell me a little bit about the company, man. Um, you've been working with them for quite some time now. Uh, I, I personally, I, I got the stuff in the mail and I can't stop talking about it. Um, super comfortable. I got two different chest protectors. I can't choose between the two because they both feel and fit amazing. Uh, but, but I'm just your, your average show weekend warrior. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm mind blown. I mean, I've been with RXR since 2022. Uh, one of my good friends, Dalen, uh, introduced me to uh, the brand through a mutual buddy, uh, Dimitri, and uh, from California, and I've been hooked ever since. Uh, at the time, Joe Shimoda was wearing them, and I got a uh, a leftover from Joe, and I wore it, and I said, I want this, and immediately got in contact with uh, RXR, and they sent me one to go racing with and I've been hooked ever since. I mean, from the foam that they use, it's super comfortable and obviously it's kind of thick in a way. Um, but it's not, it's not too bulky, but it's thick enough to know that, you know, you're secure through whatever may come at you. And there's no, uh, there's no rubbing points on the chest protector. Years past I've had, different brands where my, I, I wear the chest protector just on, you know, on my skin. I don't, I don't like to wear a shirt underneath cause I feel like I get hot. Just raw um, it. Yeah. And I, with the RXR, I don't get any hot spots. Um, whereas years prior to other brands, I've, I've gotten hot spots and, you know, then you get like that, that cut and it just will never heal because we're on the bike three to four days a week. And then it's just, it burns in the shower. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, Oh, absolutely. It's, it's you guys ride a lot. Like chafing is a serious issue for professional riders. Like guys like myself that might put an hour on the bike on a weekend. That's not a big deal. You guys during training are putting upwards of three or four hours a week just on the motorcycle. Like that, yeah. that's, that's a lot. Yeah, so it's crucial, and um, that's when I was really sold with RXR, is when I, I didn't have any of those issues, and it was immediate comfort, and honestly, they look cool, considering that you can get, you know, your different decals that they do for you, um, it's cool. I mean, who wouldn't want to have their name and number on a chest protector? I mean, not many companies do that. No, and none, they, I, none, I couldn't believe the None that I know time, of dude. until RXR. I was blown away. I literally put my, my, like I was like laying in bed. I probably put in the order like Sunday night, Tuesday morning, this box shows up with like, they, they sent me not only the one chest protector with, uh, like I have a separate, uh, kit to put on there, but also the other one, it, they literally installed my name and number for me. I'm like, when did they have time for this? Yep. And, and what's crazy is it's not like they just send you the chest protector and the graphic where you have to put it on. They they install it for you. I thought that was cool. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Taking uh, you, it's basically pull it out of the box. Um, and on top of it, like when you when they send it, do they send it to you in like that big kind of the rectangular box? Yeah, it's like that brown rectangular box. Yeah. Did you notice yep. that that box is also a board game? No. Yeah, I got too excited. I got too excited to see the chest protector that I just ripped it out. <laughs> 
Dude, no, like on the on the top or like the bo- the bottom of the box, there's like a moto themed board game. I guess you'd have to like kind of come up with your own playing pieces and uh, and grab some dice. But uh, it, I, I'll, I'll I'll send you a picture of it. It's it's hilarious. It's like all moto inspired, uh, and it's super super neat. I, I I'm like this is the maybe the most thoughtful packaging that I've ever seen from a, a company. And uh, yeah, they're straight out of France, which is super neat. But they also they ship out of uh, out of Florida. So like it's not like if you you order something from uh, on the website, it's not coming all the way from uh, from France. It's it's the the fulfillment out of uh, Florida. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that is awesome, and it's also cool to see the growth of Arxar in the states because they're pretty big over in Europe, but uh, they're trying to get their name bigger here in the U.S. and it's it seems to be you know getting some traction, and it's awesome to see. Absolutely, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if a few more of the guys over at Club start wearing the product. Uh, how does that work as far as, like, I know you guys are uh, an FXR team. You're also a Skid Steer Solutions team uh, with a, a ton of other team sponsors. How does it work as far as the chest protector goes? Of course, since it's under the jersey, they don't mind too much, or uh, that was just, like, a preference for you? What's the deal there? No, it was one of those things where I was like, it, it, it's a personal sponsor, and... It's uh, it's not interfering with any other company. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, there. I don't think there is a company on Club MX that is a chest protector. So that's where I was able to kind of bring it on board. Right. Same thing with like knee braces, you know. Right. Uh, with CTI, so that was crucial for me. Yeah, but, um, I'm a CTI guy as well. Like, there. Once you wear, once you've worn CTIs, you don't want to wear anything else. No, you, you you tend not to go back. <laughs> no, I refuse. That, that's fair enough. And I, so I mentioned a little bit ago that you have some merch, and you've been uh, showing it off on the Instagram. If you guys are not already uh, following at Coty Shock, so that's that's C O T Y S C H O C K underscore. Uh, if you're not already following, shame on you. Get uh, join the other sixty. 3,000 people who currently follow you. Um, not only do you have some uh, some merch for sale, some gym bags as well, um, but uh, you're doing a, a jersey giveaway right now, which is pretty rad. I am. Uh, I figured everyone loves the number 69 and everyone loves FXR because, I mean, the stuff looks insane. So uh, with a good-looking product and a good finish and a career best, I might as well give it away. And... Uh, yeah, so all you got to do is for every $50 that's spent on my merch is a uh, entry to get uh to win the jersey. And the jersey raffle I think ends February 20 I think the 21st, so next Wednesday. And uh yeah, honestly a lot of, all the merch has just helped me get from round to round and continue to better myself on the bike and try to get some more top 5s. I mean, I'm good with, you know, top tens and a podium. I I think that's reasonable now. Yeah, we're going for a podium, dude. One day. One day, yep. Yeah, no, we already proved ourselves that we we can be a top four guy. Uh, one more step is where you need to be for uh, for a podium. So that is awesome to see. Um, like throughout the week when you're training, what are you focusing on? What are like? Is it just are you putting in laps? Uh, are you still are you still trying to test some things to sort of make the bike better? Uh, or what are you? What does Cody Shock work on? To be honest, it's whatever. Uh 
whatever Brandon Haas wants to do. Oh. Um, the the boss man. He awesome. he knows he knows how this uh, he knows what works, and I I fully trust uh, trust this program. So we will do uh, we'll do sprints, we'll do motos, we'll do section work, and then uh, we'll we'll keep it fun towards the end of the week. We'll just do like a you know like a Simon Says moto or work on little stuff. Um, Brandon's not about fully exploding yourself. It's about working on what you personally need to work on. And his biggest thing is focus on yourself because nothing else matters. So that's, that's my goal for the week. Um, we've got a lot of rain this week, but I plan on riding tomorrow and it's the game plan is the same. Stay cool, calm, collected and focus on, myself and what's going to make me better at the race so for me i'm just working on my consistency and i'm not really worried about speed um speed will come with comfort and with comfort comes consistency so constantly building and uh yeah whether it's one percent better that day or half a percent whatever it is i just need to keep taking steps forward and not take a step back I like that answer. That is awesome to hear. Last question I have for you here on the Verb Pod Network is uh, when it comes to play riding, uh, some guys are great at it. Some guys are absolutely brutal at it because they just never did a lot of it growing up. Uh, I'm looking at a reel of you right now just going, uh, tapping the back wheel all the way through whoop section, which is something I would like to learn how to do one day. Being at 35 years old, I'm, I am i don't think that ship has totally sailed, but I need, I need to get on it soon. Not at all. Uh, what... Uh, like who on the team is best at that? Um, what's a skill that you don't have that you'd like to have, and uh, and who and it, it can be Phil is is the worst at play riding and uh, and doing some of those like fun things like doing fun whips and whatnot. Uh, play it's Phil, riding, isn't it? I would. I, Phil doesn't really like to throw whips, and that's okay. <laughs> He's good at the photo shoot stuff. Okay. But like fully getting like upside down backwards. Yeah. Phil's Phil's not having that. And that's, I feel like that's where I come in. Um, Style master. I'm a very humble person, but I would say I'm probably the best one to play rides and throw whips and stoppies, wheelies, whatever. I mean, uh, Kyle Peters tends to call me a prick because I'll just do something. And he's like, you're a prick. You're too good. Like nobody else is able to do that, but you type thing. Okay. Um, so we always joke, we always joke around about that, but, uh, Kyle's but yeah. been on edge lately though. Also he has, but you know what? <laughs> he, the champ, the champ, uh, he's getting challenged right now, mm-hmm. but KP's really good at managing races and the man yeah. knows what he's doing. I mean, he's not going to go out there and, if if it's not his night, he's not going to risk it. Um, like I said, he's really good at managing, and he's smart, and he's, he knows what he's doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out on top, and obviously that's his plan, and I would love to see him win his uh, fifth one because that's insane. I mean, that that is not just a fluke. So, no. Um, yeah, KP, he's, he's the people's champ, and, yeah, I love that dude. 
Yeah, better part of half a decade uh, of dominance in arena cross. Only one other racer has ever done something quite like that. Buddy Antonez is basically the king of arena cross. And uh, yeah, Kyle Peters would essentially lay his claim to uh, to that title as well by doing exactly that. He's currently got a nine-point lead over Ryan Brees. Um, but yeah, and only the time will tell. And then maybe uh, may- maybe see KP uh, mix it up with the boys uh, in, the, in the 250 class and Supercross. Uh, would that be a, a well Welcome challenge, or uh, would you be like, "Hey, go back to your series"? No, no, that's a full blown welcome. I mean, he trains with us during the week, yeah. And there's days where KP hands it to me, and I'm like, "God damn it, KP, you're too good." <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be awesome to see KP race. I mean, you're talking about somebody who's podiumed numerous times in the 250 class, yeah. And Honestly, the dude's Suzuki. just a yeah. Yeah, and what's crazy is you watch KP ride, and he looks good, but he doesn't look, you know, that fast. But the dude is going that fast. He's uh, we always call him that. We always say that he's sneaky. So if he comes back to race, he's gonna get the job done. That's for sure. Fair enough. Well, one more guy for you to contest with on uh, your route to a possible podium finish before the season is out. Cody Shock, the '69 machine on. The Club MX Yamaha. Thanks so much for making some time for us today, man. Really, I, I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your season. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. No, I appreciate you for taking the time to talk to me. And, yeah, I, I will say this was, uh, this was a fun one. I felt like awesome. you had some really good questions and you're, uh, you kept an open mind. So that was cool. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it. All the best to you. All the best to Emily and, uh, or Emma, is Emma, it's Emily. Emma? It's Emily. Yeah. Emily, my bad. Uh, yeah, the whole family and, uh, and the best in, uh, in Dallas. Um, a couple weeks off here and, uh, back at it. Appreciate the time, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut things off right there. And we're back. Thank you guys so much for joining us back. Hopefully you didn't leave. Hopefully you guys didn't just like ditch us all together because we still haven't finished off the last segment of the Verb Moto Power Hour, and that is the vented plate. Let it all out vent session. And uh, my, mine today is not moto related. It is, it is, it is, it is moto related in the fact that I do train for moto, and I'm getting myself ready for the Gypsy 500. Do I think that I'm going to have the fitness to to be competitive in that event? No, I don't. Do I think that I'm going to have the best fitness on my team that does consider consist of myself, Chase Stallo? as well as Dylan Jackson and a rider to be named afterwards. I do. I do think that I'm in the best shape of, the, of that particular group um, based on what I know about those people. Um, but I go to the gym and I see the most ridiculous things that it just like, I, I don't know if like, it, like there's just like this newsletter that I've been, that's been going out that I'm not aware of that's like, there's some really questionable tips and tricks that people are doing. Like, I, like this, this, this whole idea of a pump cover is like it's it's all too real um the checking themselves out in the in the mirror i could really really do without especially when there's nothing to check out um and yeah like i just i i i'm just beside myself sometimes with some like i i like either i also have bad form or i might be the only person in the gym that doesn't have bad form because oh, you, I, now now wait a second brad you got to tell the people what gym it is we're visiting that might provide some clarity 
Yeah, I, I train at Planet Fitness, but like, there's wah, 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 wah. that's a lunk alarm. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, the, the, the lunk alarm. Well, the, the, they should use that lunk alarm because there are some serious lunks that are are, are going around there. Like, these guys like in a full on stringer that like you'd see at like Gold's Gym in the seventies. I lift things up and put them down. And, and there seems to be like I don't know if there was a PSA that went out years ago uh, or even recently that if you stare at your biceps whilst doing bicep curls that that helps them grow because if i see see another asshole wearing a gold chain on the outside of their black uh wife beater looking at their bicep while they're doing curls i might puke like i don't quite get it like that's that's all i have to say on my venting uh i could go way further but um we'll just we'll have people tune out and stop listening to the verb pod network so I guess we're going to have to start getting some workout videos from you, right? We're live at Planet Fitness and do it. I am, it, I am changing gyms though. I'm going to start going to the good one, which is there. Uh, you go, there you go. Switching over. He's had enough. He's drawn the line. I well, seriously have had enough. Like, like I, 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 re- I recently moved, and by recently I mean six months ago, and I didn't really there. Like I used to have like this awesome gym that I went to about five minutes from my house, um, which I ran into a lot of bullshit there too. But it, there was more serious lifters there. There are no serious lifters at Planet Fitness. And honestly, if there are any, they shouldn't train there because that's ridiculous. Um, but I, yeah. can't really, I can't really talk crap because I go to the YMCA. And so it's yeah, either, exactly. it's either so high school kids. Like, actually, they're not even checking the muscles Planet out. Fitness. They're really close to the, to the mirror seeing whether the mustache has come in yet or not. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side of it, it's the, the elderly. And, and don't get me wrong, greatest generation. You were probably a bigger badass at my age than I am. 100%. But – that time has come and gone, my friend. And for some reason, um, I don't know whether time goes by slower at that age or what, but your rest time between sets does not need to grow with your age. And so, yeah, yeah it's should. we could have a whole episode just on things that piss us off at the gym. Uh, my venting has got to do with with three riders. I do know their name, but I'm not going to call them out at the last GNCC because there was a couple thousand of them out there. Um this is a this is a PSA announcement to all riders, motocross, off-road, supercross, arena cross probably feels the same way. Guys, you don't need to have black numbers and dark gray backgrounds. Or or oh. or maybe uh I don't know, a white background and the lightest freaking shade of pink possible you could have on your numbers. Like yeah. high vis yellow on white. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I and, and I mean, I, I'm all about the the personalization. Everybody's got to add their own little touch to it. I'm all about it. I mean, shoot, even in GNCC, your bike number doesn't need to match the number on your helmet. That's what we're going off of is on your helmet. But for God's sake, if you're going to try to have a full kit together, a full package, could you maybe make it a little harder for us? Like, let's just go white on white. Like, look me dead in the face with your blank number plate and tell me that there's a number 27 on that. I'm probably going to believe you. I even, I'll, I'll even say, I have seen the white numbers with the white background with a black outline, and it is easier to announce that than it is some of these gray background on lighter shade of gray. Like, it's 50 shades of gray out here. Like, just use black and white. I know you guys have, like, what, white and red, right? Some kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Our and I mean, class is white and yeah. red. And it's like, even that, fantastic. I, whether I, Big fan of the yellow backgrounds, all right? I don't know. I know that's B-class at Loretta's. But, I mean, for God's sake, honestly, maybe this is, maybe my rant needs to be promoters. Start making it a rule. Like, stop giving them the option. Take some freedoms away, all right? I know this is America, but son of a bitch, man, we are screwing this up. Like, it is insane. And as an announcer, it pisses me off. And you know the worst part is? Sometimes it's in the mini E-class 
which is a whole nother problem with the electric bikes is you don't hear them. So when your announcer's not saying anything, cause I'm trying to figure out what freaking number you are, I just look like a dumbass. So there it is. I'm going to calm yeah. down. No, it's, it's the Let's kid the heart rate go back on, down. A, on a, on a Husqvarna with gray plates, white numbers run a number like nine, five, eight, like this, like really like it's always a three digit. You can't read it. Or funky uh, font. I don't want to pick on the ladies class, but they find the most high viz of the like. If there's a something as high viz blue, they're running it with like gray numbers, and I'm like, you ain't helping me. You're well, really not helping about, me. I don't know about where you're at, but we've got a couple of graphics companies. They do look cool, but they do like the the glitter numbers yeah. and they do the holographic numbers, mm-hmm. and it's like it is sweet when I'm three inches from it looking at it on the stand. But when I'm in the tower and you're riding, even when you ride slow, I can't yeah. freaking see it. No, they got and really when I do, skinny, like the, it's yeah, like, it, yeah, like, it's like the super number. skinny numbers. It's black plates with chrome numbers. You're like, I can't see you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It definitely, uh, the one over the weekend for us, like we honestly, we just started laughing about it because the, with GNCC, we have the transponder system and it's based right, off of the right, number right. on your helmet. But we were laughing because if we didn't have that, I would have zero idea what number that rider was. I had two hours to look at their bike. They came around multiple times. Could not tell you. As close as I got. Had no idea. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's not it's not a huge thing, but it is to me. All right? Black and white. Black and yellow. Red and white. I, I'm, I'm down with that. All right? Even even the ladies, I know, uh, what is it, Lorez? It's like a blue and white, right? Yeah, blue, white, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I, I like colors, guys. All right. I'm not saying yeah. we got to just take oh, it all away. But... Back in the day, uh, 500 class was green plates, white numbers. Never hated that. Um, honestly, like, hey, you, you could, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I'm a sucker for, for, for white on black. That's, that like, was always it. White on black just looks badass. You're saying me. white they... numbers or black numbers? Like what black plates. White numbers, like oh, I, I see, think I'm the two, opposite. I like yeah, I like, like the, the two fit like to me like the 125 slash 250 like 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 give me Travis Pastrana black plates white yeah. numbers. That was such a fucking look, and like I don't know. I, I think the 125 slash 250 class like lucked out with the like the better look of those two. Don't get me wrong. White plates, black numbers, very good look that's as well. That's just classy to me. Yeah, that's... If if we're, if we're going like 4951, uh, I give the nod to uh, the black plates, white numbers. And yellow plates, black numbers on certain machines. Tristan Charbonneau used to have his his old YZ. I don't know how he had that thing configured. It was like just the perfect amount of black and blue for his graphics kit. Mm-hmm. But then he had the yellow backgrounds and the black numbers. Yep. It's put it like this. It's it been looks that good long. on Yamaha's. Yes. It looks good on Kawasaki's Cowies, for some reason, baby. which makes no yes. fucking sense. Yes. It looks good on Suzuki's if it's done tastefully. Like it has to be like it has to like you almost have to have the bumblebee look going on and or go straight to like a bomber style with like throw in some blue. Um I'm yet to see like a Honda with yellow plates that I'm like, yes. Yeah, none of those really just blow me out of the water. And uh, when I think of a KTM with orange plates, I immediately either think of uh, Jason Anderson for 312 and or Blake Wharton. And then my mind is also brought to um, when, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Mike Alessi rode 
Uh, A four-stroke, he wrote a four-stroke national, and they were on yellow plates, uh, number 800. That's what I think of. On a very ill-handling KTM 525. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. Jeremy McGrath that day and then like celebrated and was kind of a dick about it. So imagine that. Um, no, I, well, and that's what I mean. That's all personal opinion. At least I can read them. Like it, it put it like this. I mean, my riding days, they still happen, but they're primarily behind me. This is more vet rider talk, right? I'm just talking about the way it looks, but as the announcer, it's like, dude, give me a break just a little bit. I don't have the best vision as it is guys. Right? I got a set of glasses right here. I should be wearing, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, it's like, just help me out a little bit, man. I mean, just a little bit. And, and I mean, don't even get me started on the just no numbers. Like we're just not going to run them. Like like a set of duct tape wouldn't work. Whatever. My biggest Whatever. pet peeve was when Kawasaki switched from like they used to always have white number plates. They I don't know which was worse. You can tell me because you're you're also an announcer. They came out with black plates in '09, and because here up in Canada we have two different classes that run red numbers. You want to imagine uh, like Chrome's tough to see red numbers on black plates. Yeah, yeah, that one wrecked. would be pretty bad. And also, red numbers on green plates just looks like shit. Like it yeah. just looks like garbage. Like go buy yourself some backgrounds. Like yeah, it's definitely. I'm trying to think what. That's not my, even a good look. I think I can't remember my 13 450 came with green or white plates. I think it came with white, and I think my my new one has green, but. Yes. I immediately, I mean, like, even if I don't get a full graphics kit, number plate backgrounds, like you got to, it's just, I don't know, man, it's, it's a personal thing for me. I mean, I, I'm all about, you know, look pro go slow, but yeah, it just, I saw that this weekend and I was like, man, I literally wrote it down. I was like, that's my rant. That That's it. Because sure. I, I see it so many oh. different ways. I didn't know there were so many different ways to screw up a number plate, but nonetheless, here we are. Maybe I'm mad at the graphics kit companies. I don't, I don't even know where my anger needs to be placed, but it's here, it's building, and something's got to be done about it. But that's that's my my vented plate rant. Even the vented plates they had looking better than this. Like, oh, whatever. I'll say this: vented plates are swag, and that's why we have this uh, this segment. I'm a huge fan of vented plates. I wish I had one uh, for my Kawasaki 125. I would definitely rock that every day of the week. Um, I'll say this: there, there. I can't. I can't tell you what the the definition or describe to you what like the proper way to put your numbers on is, but when I see it, I know what it looks like. Yep. So, uh, and that's all I'll say about that. So, um, people can go to uh, backyarddesign.com, use Big MX24 at checkout to save 24%, basically a quarter of your price. Thank you very much. Um, those guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, this has been another edition of the verb power hour, probably getting close to like an hour and a half based on uh, the conversation that we've had. We wanted to keep this thing short, but we failed at that. You're welcome, I guess. Um, Thanks again. And we'll do this again next week. Thank you for giving me what's left of your voice. Sounds good, guys. I'm going to go take care of it and I'll see you in a couple weeks. Kids up to grown man Walk through the gates of the coal miner's daughter To make a point clearer than the creek water Who's the best, who's it gonna be In Hurricane Mills, Tennessee Can you feel the adrenaline Dirt flies hypnotized by the wheel spin
Jacks and rowdy fans Play the national anthem and everybody stands Smell the smoke from the two strokes riding by The 30 second cards on its side 